Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When we think of the great unknowns, it is often to the heavens that we have looked gazing out into the deepness of space in wonder at what lies beyond. But what lies below the surface of our planet's vast oceans is perhaps almost equally mysterious. And for some, it is a world that will never be glimpsed in any way at all. Since time immemorial, the ocean has held a powerful grip on the imagination of all cultures that have come into contact with it. Through the power of myth and folklore, it is a raging manifestation of all that is unknown. For some, it is the very embodiment of freedom. For others, it is nothing less than the murky fluid of their darkest nightmares. In Sigmund Freud's interpretation of dreams, it is to water that the famed psychologist turns to elaborate his ideas. Where at the surface we find the conscious mind, down below, deeply submerged, lies a shadowy world of all that is repressed. And yet, for all the myths and stories that have sprung from the sea, fantastical tales of monsters and mermaids, there remain those that make no allusions to metaphor, whose place is not for the pages of the poet or the psychologist's couch, but exist merely as a matter of record. Stories of hidden worlds and unknown creatures that may yet prove to be beyond our wildest imaginations. You're listening to Unexplained, and I'm Richard McLean Smith. The sea monster has been ever-present in ocean folklore since men and women first gazed across the surface of the mysterious deep. Many creatures of myth and legend have since been found to be nothing but misidentified aquatic mammals, creatures such as the beautiful and beguiling manatee that gave rise to the sirens of Greek mythology. 
But there are also stories equally abundant of strange sightings of creatures that don't quite tally with the known biology. Sightings such as the one experienced by Lutheran missionary Hans Egede in July 1734. Whilst travelling on a ship bound for the city of Nuuk in Greenland, Egede claimed to have seen a staggering creature resembling nothing he had seen before. With a small head, elongated neck and short body, it propelled itself through the water using giant fins. Later, when the sailors also saw its tail, it was judged to have measured longer than the whole length of the ship. In December 1872, the HMS Challenger, captured by George Nares, set sail on a pioneering circumnavigation of the globe. On board were a team of scientists led by famed Scottish zoologist Charles Thompson. Their mission, to map the physical conditions of the deep sea. What they discovered was nothing less than astounding. The expedition, widely accepted to have marked the birth of oceanography, is perhaps best known for the discovery of an area known as Challenger Deep. Located at the bottom of the South Pacific, partway between Guam and Palau, Challenger Deep is to be found at the southern tip of the Mariana Trench and is thought to mark the deepest point of the ocean floor. Although initially measured at over 8,000 metres, it has since been calculated as being closer to 11,000 metres. To put it into context, if Mount Everest were placed at the bottom, there would still be over a mile of ocean above its peak. The region located roughly a mile below the surface is known as Deep Sea. Comprising 80% of the entirety of the oceans, more people have travelled into space than have been known to travel there. Indeed, the Voyager 1 probe alone has explored over 12 billion miles of space, and with the incredible workings of the Hubble telescope, we have never before been able to see so far, with present distances estimated to be roughly 13.8 billion light-years. But when it comes to the area that comprises 99% of all living space on the planet, it is estimated that we have explored less than 10% of it. A fact all the more startling when you consider the deep sea contains 80% of the Earth's entire biosphere. So when you put it like that, it's hard not to wonder just what exactly might remain undiscovered, lurking deep in the shadows. It is a thought that has haunted one Russian sea captain for 30 years. The mystery of what happened to Soviet nuclear submarine K-219 when it ventured into the region known as the Bermuda Triangle in the early hours of Friday, October 3rd, 1986, has never fully been accounted for. Considered by some one of the most controversial incidents of the Cold War, it is a mystery that remains to this day unexplained. For many, there can perhaps be no more frightening notion than to be trapped in a glorified tin can deep below the ocean surface for months on end. But for Captain Second Rank Igor Britanov of the Soviet Navy, it was the nearest thing to home albeit a home stocked with a substantial number of nuclear warheads, for this was the Cold War and the stakes could not have been higher. Although believed by some to have never ended, the war is generally regarded to have taken place between 1947 and 1991 between the Western Bloc powers of the United States and NATO and the Eastern Bloc spearheaded by the Soviet Union. An intensely complicated period of proxy wars and nuclear threats, it is perhaps best summed up by the series of cat-and-mouse games played out by submarines of the Soviet and United States navies. In early September 1986, 
the submarine K219, captained by the experienced Igor Britinov, set off from the port town of Gadzievo, located in the northwest of Russia. On board the vessel was a total of 115 crew and 42 nuclear missiles and torpedo warheads. 30 days into the mission, on October the 3rd, the sub was patrolling a stretch of water roughly 680 miles northeast of the British territory of Bermuda. At approximately 0514, one of the crew's engineers noticed something alarming in missile compartment number 4. Salt water appeared to be dripping from under the plug of one of the sub's nuclear missiles. Their alarm soon turned to panic when an attempt at decompression turned the slowly dripping water into a full-on gushing stream. At 0525, the engineer alerted Captain Britanoff, who immediately ordered the sub to the safer depth of 46 metres. Minutes later, a brown cloud of oxidant issued from the missile plug. The missile casing had split. A full-scale emergency was declared, and all personnel were instantly evacuated from the area, with the exception of nine crewmen who stayed behind to fix the problem. But it was too late. Moments later, a huge explosion ripped through compartment number four. Two crewmen were killed instantly by the blast, and another died shortly after from toxic fume inhalation. Most alarmingly for the remainder of the crew, the explosion had torn open the hull and the submarine began rapidly taking on water. The vessel made a sickening lurch before quickly plummeting deeper and deeper into the darkest depths of the ocean. Incredibly, the crew managed to close off all compartments and eventually they were able to engage the seawater pumps. As the submarine approached crush depth, it began to stabilise. The crew, now wearing gas masks and safely positioned in the bow and stern of the vessel, breathed a collective sigh of relief. The worst appeared to be over, but something was deeply wrong. In the event of major catastrophe, the nuclear reactors were programmed to shut down. But as the chief engineer carried out a check of the ship's instruments, he noticed something odd. The temperature of the nuclear reactors was rising. In short, the reactor was in imminent danger of a complete nuclear meltdown. The engineer scrambled to the control station in an attempt to initiate a remote shutdown, but the damage had been too great. It would have to be done manually. Although all vessels were equipped with contamination suits, there was nothing on board that could protect from the gamma and neutron radiation of the reactor's core. It was clear to all the men that any attempt at a manual shutdown would be fatal. At this point, a 20-year-old sailor named Sergei Premenin stepped forward. The son of an electrician and a factory worker, it had been Sergei's dream to follow in the footsteps of his oldest brother Nicholas by becoming an engineer. A dream he took a step closer to achieving after graduating from engineering school in 1984. Shortly after, however, Sergei was drafted into the Russian Navy. Fully aware of the severity of the situation, Sergei volunteered to shut the reactor down. Together with senior reactor officer Lieutenant Nikolai Belikov, he donned the regulation safety suit and full-face gas mask and duly entered the burning reactor chamber. After they managed to reinsert three out of the four displaced fuel rods, Nikolai Belikov succumbed to the 70-degree heat, just managing to evacuate the chamber before falling unconscious. In a monumental effort, Sergei completed the last part on his own, successfully engaging the fourth rod. 
But when Sergei tried to reach his colleagues on the other side of the compartment, the chamber hatch would not budge. The rising temperature in the room had increased the pressure so much that it had become impossible to open. As his colleagues tried desperately to rescue him from the other side, Sergei too succumbed to the heat and soon after died. Are you always taking care of your family? Do you often take care of others and not yourself? Now it's time to take care of yourself, to make time for you. You deserve it. Teladoc gives you access to a licensed therapist to help you get back to feeling your best, to feeling like yourself again. With Teladoc, you can speak to a licensed therapist by phone or video. Therapy appointments are available seven days a week from 7am to 9pm local time. If you feel overwhelmed sometimes, maybe you feel stressed or anxious, depressed or lonely, or you might be struggling with a personal or family issue, Teladoc can help. Teladoc is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy to change counsellors if needed, for free. Teladoc Therapy is available through most insurance or employers. Download the app or visit teladoc.com forward slash unexplained podcast today to get started. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C dot com slash unexplained podcast. The young sailor's actions had saved the rest of the crew and in so doing prevented a certain nuclear catastrophe. The consequences of such an event would have been on a scale comparable with the Chernobyl disaster that had occurred only six months previously. With the reactor sufficiently secured, submarine K219 returned to the surface of the Atlantic. But when the conning tower hatch was opened, something extraordinary caught the attention of the crew. As senior assistant Captain Sergei Vladimova recounts, all the way along the left side, just above the missile silos, was what looked like two huge scratch marks. The gouge extended from the edge of the damaged missile section right across to the port side of the vessel. Clearly, something big had collided with the submarine. A few days later, a Soviet freighter duly arrived to tow the damaged vessel back to port. Despite repeated efforts to salvage the sub, a series of gas leaks prompted Captain Britanov to order an immediate evacuation of the vessel. At 1100 hours on October 6th, Captain Igor Britanov became the last living man to exit submarine K219. Three minutes later, the vessel, along with the body of Sergei Premonim, sank to a depth of roughly 6,000 metres, where it remains to this day. The heroic Premonim was posthumously awarded the Order of the Red Star for his bravery. Shortly after returning home, all the surviving members of the crew were required to take part in what became a year-long investigation into the precise cause of the explosion. However, the full results have never come to light, and nor are they likely to, since all the men were ordered to sign non-disclosure agreements prior to the investigation. What is known is that after a series of simulations and careful analysis, the Soviet Navy was satisfied that the disaster had not been the fault of the crew, but was indeed due to the impact of external factors. The most likely culprit being a submarine belonging to the United States. 
On the other side of the world, attention soon focused on reports of a US vessel that had been damaged at some point in the early part of October. The submarine US Augusta had been taken to the port of New London, Connecticut to repair damage caused by an apparent collision. It is believed the Augusta had been patrolling the same region of ocean as K-219. And yet, Soviet intelligence at the time indicated not a single NATO submarine had in fact been repaired around the time of the incident. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the US Navy denied all involvement despite the Soviet Navy's insistence that the boat was indeed rammed. Had this in fact been a cover-up of the US Navy, it is strange that over 30 years later, this stance is still strongly maintained by the American government. What is even more surprising, however, is that Captain Britannoff himself has also denied the allegations, claiming unequivocally that he did not collide with an American submarine. In 2010, a Soviet captain of the first rank called Nikolai Tushin gave an extraordinary interview to the Russian news website Pravda.ru. Tashin, the former deputy commander of a brigade of nuclear submarines, appeared convinced that although K-219 had collided with something, whatever it was, was not man-made. Instead, he believed the vessel had been brought down by a mysterious unidentified underwater object known in maritime circles as a quacker. The oddly titled quacker gets its name from a mysterious sound frequently picked up by submarine audio equipment. Resembling something between the quack of a duck and the croak of a frog, it is thought by many submariner crew to belong to an unknown creature of the deep, or perhaps even something somewhat more alien. The phenomena is thought to have first come to our attention due to the advances in sonar equipment necessitated by the arms race of the Cold War. And when you take into account the extreme hypervigilance of the Soviet and US navies at the time, it is quite probable that these sounds had just not been noticed before. In a particularly striking story, one submarine sailor recounts picking up the fabled quacker sound while out on a routine operation. His readings suggested something of a significant size that appeared to be circling the vessel in what he believed was a benign attempt to make contact. Incidentally, in 2009, the Russian government released a number of previously classified documents. The reports were taken from a Soviet Navy group specifically established to document unexplained incidents reported by naval vessels. Former Navy officer Vladimir Adzatsa points to one incident in particular, where a complete submarine system malfunction occurred as an unidentified object was recorded close by, travelling at the seemingly impossible speed of 250 miles per hour. In another report, one Navy intelligence veteran notes the strange UFOs were most prone to appear in the deepest part of the Atlantic Ocean, specifically the Bermuda Triangle. In 1957, a team of Soviet explorers led by Alexei Treshnikov set off from a small research station on the coast of Antarctica in search of the geomagnetic South Pole. After a hellish journey, suffering intense storms and extreme cold, the team arrived at their destination on the 16th of December. 
a research centre was quickly established. It has since become known as Vostok Station. Temperature readings taken from the area have confirmed the region as the coldest known place on Earth. However, 80 million years ago, the frozen desert we now know as Antarctica was in fact an equatorial region making up part of the supercontinent known as Gondwana land. Home to dinosaurs and a number of other creatures, the land was a thick mass of ferns and other tropical vegetation. At some point, the land began to fragment and split apart, with the bit we now call the Antarctic eventually settling millions of years later over the South Pole. Over time, the vegetation changed, being replaced by thick forests of deciduous trees. It became home to a colourful array of birds, reptiles and mammals. Rivers and streams teemed with life as the ecosystem adjusted to a post-dinosaur world. But then, things began to change. A radical drop in greenhouse gas levels led to a deep freeze that engulfed the continent. As the temperature plummeted, the ecosystem was irreversibly altered, resulting in the extinction of all the terrestrial animals. The lakes and rivers frosted over until eventually they were locked under sheets of ice thousands of metres thick. In 1975, a team of British scientists were conducting a seismic survey of the area when they discovered something extraordinary. Trapped, Deep below the ice was what appeared to be a huge freshwater lake. Now known as Lake Vostok, satellite images taken in 1996 depict the mass as being similar in size to Lake Ontario. Even more incredibly, despite being trapped for hundreds of thousands of years, the lake was found to be teeming with life from single-cell bacteria to mollusks and worms and even fairly complex arthropods. Is it completely inconceivable that such undiscovered ecosystems may exist in other parts of the planet, perhaps fostering the life of creatures once thought extinct or that may not yet have even been discovered? For anyone doubting the likelihood of such an occurrence, it is worth bearing in mind the mythic tales of the mighty Kraken. The great aquatic monster of Norwegian folklore is thought likely to be based on sailors' reports of the giant squid, a creature that was itself once thought to be a myth. In fact, despite extensive efforts to capture footage of the giant squid in its natural habitat, it wasn't until 2004 that a team of Japanese scientists were finally successful in doing so. The great aquatic monsters, such as the Kraken, may of course prove to be nothing but figments of our imagination, embodiments of the many subconscious fears that we might one day defeat. But perhaps, for a moment, consider the so-called monsters, hidden from view, deep below the waves. Maybe they are hiding for a reason, for you can be certain what fate awaits them if they were ever foolish enough to show themselves. It makes you wonder, just what would they make of us? Below the thunders of the upper deep, far, far beneath in the abysmal sea, his ancient, dreamless, uninvaded sleep, the kraken sleepeth. Fainter sunlights flee about his shadowy sides. Above him swell huge sponges of millennial growth and height, and far away into the sickly light, 
from many a wondrous grot and secret cell, unnumbered and enormous polypi. Winnow with giant arms the slumbering green. There hath he lain for ages, and will lie, battening upon huge sea worms in his sleep, until the latter fire shall heat the deep. Then once by man and angels to be seen, in roaring he shall rise, and on the surface die. All elements of Unexplained are produced by me, Richard McLean Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or on Twitter at unexplainedpod. Now it's time to take care of yourself, to make time for you. Teladoc gives you access to a licensed therapist to help you get back to feeling your best. Speak to a licensed therapist by phone or video anytime between 7am to 9pm local time, seven days a week. Teladoc therapy is available through most insurance or employers. Download the app or visit teladoc.com forward slash unexplained podcast today to get started. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C dot com slash unexplained podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.